the Clixie podcast with Tim Flagg. Insight, opinion and advice from the leading practitioners in digital marketing and e-commerce. What we're really excited about is actually bringing that, that truth and that transparency to marketers to really help them understand how to engage with the right person at the right time. This is the ClickZ Digital Marketing Podcast, and I'll be talking to Richard Robinson from Turn. We'll learn about the opportunities for advertisers to use the latest marketing technology to target audiences with more effective online ads. I'm excited to be joined by Richard Robinson, the Managing Director of EMEA for Turn, one of the global players in the advertising technology space. We'll be getting his perspective on the future of online advertising. Richard has spent almost 20 years assisting companies in the building of brands and the development and implementation of innovative go-to-market strategies. As Managing Director, Richard is responsible for the Europe, Middle East and Africa region for the Turn Digital Advertising Hub. A large part of Richard's role at Turn is encouraging marketers to recognise how to turn big data into big action and building awareness of programmatic across Europe by educating marketers about how to get the most out of their campaigns. So I'm particularly interested to hear more about that today. Prior to Turn, Richard held various leadership roles at Google, most recently as Director of Brand Development, where he helped businesses empower and transform their organisations through digital strategies. Richard also sits on the advisory board of a number of companies and associations, including as the chair of the IDM B2B Marketing Council. So Richard, I'd like to welcome you to the Clixie Digital Marketing Podcast. Thank you. It's great uh, great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here as well. And I wonder whether we could start off by you telling us a little bit more about you and your story and how you got started in this business. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, it's uh, it's been a been a long time since I've, uh, I've been doing this sort of stuff. So probably about 20 years ago, I decided that um, I was fascinated by technology and the way that technology could change the way that businesses evolve and engage both internally and externally. So I, I moved to, and spent some time working for an IT consulting business, uh, analyst business that had a marketing services component to it. So I, I, I kind of learned very quickly about how technology was, certainly in the, in the mid to late 1990s, how technology was transforming the way that businesses uh, evolved. And from that, it was really fascinating to me about how well, if you could, technology can change how a business is working internally, how can it change the way that uh, that business can engage with it, its customers and prospects? So, uh, so, so that was a, a real kind of spark in my career is, well, how can we bring technology and marketing together? Then after, since then, I've spent the, the last 20 years or so really much uh, focusing on that and seeing how technology can, can really help enable uh, marketing and enable businesses to grow the way that they engage with their customers. It's quite a, a blend, isn't it, really? Because marketing has always had more of that sort of uh, sort of creative side. And then in the last maybe sort of a decade, it's had that more analytic side, which has come together. Which of those sides do you think is now the one which is most important for marketers maybe starting out today? Really interesting. So you're right. We've seen this shift of being very creative-driven marketing and advertising, and then we, the pendulum swung the other way into being very, very analytical uh, and data-driven. Now, I'm, I'm very passionate about the data-driven side of that. So I, I think that absolutely that's critical. But really, the balance is somewhere in the middle, where you need to start to use data to inform creativity. And, and we're seeing a lot of 
uh, conversations and actually we're doing quite a lot of work ourselves around how creativity and programmatic are coming together so the the the, the analytics and the creative side and that's where it gets really really exciting for me we're starting to see uh, you know how data is informing the creative process how then technology is enabling that creative process through things such as dynamic creative optimization uh, by service uh, serving sequential advertising whether that's you know ads or whether that's through mark other marketing platforms such as email and things like that and then the learnings from that then feeding back into the next round of uh, creative so I, I think it's a really fascinating place uh, to answer your question I think that you know, somebody coming to, coming into marketing and advertising today uh, absolutely needs to truly understand uh, data, understand the value of data, but also needs to have that that more human, that more creative uh, element to them, uh, so that they can see how data can actually inform that creative process. Fascinating, yeah. It's great to hear um, your perspective on that. And now, sort of go back to sort of how you got into what you're doing now. Can you tell us a little bit about what attracted you to work in a business like Turn, and, and specifically, what do you do at Turn? <laughs> so, yeah, great question. Many people ask me, Richard, what is it you do? So, <laughs> let, let me ask the, answer the first one. So, in terms of um, what attracted me to to Turn, um, I've been in and around digital, in and around uh, marketing technology for a good portion of my career, and I was really attracted by working for a specialist in this area, somebody that truly, truly understands the technology, where uh, engineering and technology is absolutely pivotal to uh, to the value that uh, they provide their customers. So that's what, that is what really attracted me and the, the kind of the industry leading way that they're, uh, that, that term we're approaching, uh, building an ad tech business, but an ad tech business that is all they're about to be honest, helping marketers find the truth of their marketing and their and their advertising, and that so that was really exciting. Uh, my my role here at Turn is is quite varied. I, I I'm a managing director of Turn in Europe, Middle East, and Africa. That means that I'm you know part of my role is about evangelizing and educating the market, whether that's brands or agencies, uh, and helping them truly understand what what data driven marketing and programmatic uh, can really bring for for themselves or or, or their customers. Part of it's around actually developing the strategy for the business here in Europe. Uh, we're, a, uh, we're a company based out of Silicon Valley, so we've got the great technology over there, but obviously Europe is different to other parts of the world. So bringing uh, to the top table at turn, you know, the needs and requirements of the clients that we work with here in Europe. And also for me, it's about, um, you know, partly around developing the next uh, wave of amazing marketeers uh, and uh, and ad tech people in the industry, and I, I really see Turn as a uh, as a real nurturing ground for some amazing talent uh, for people that then will go on and, uh, and and do some amazing things for brands, for agencies, and other technology companies as they move forward in their career. That's good to hear, and I know a lot of our audience are people who are trying to get into the sort of fast moving ad tech world. What advice would you have for them, and, and could you maybe expand a little bit more on some of the programs that you mentioned there that you have at Turn? Yeah, so I think in, in terms of somebody coming into advertising or marketing today, I think that the first thing I would say is be open-minded. Uh, I would actually say uh, try and get, you need the basics of all marketing and advertising, marketing and media skills. Don't try and become a specialist too quickly because basically the principles that underpin marketing, underpin customer engagement, underpin you know uh, advertising strategies are very, very 
very familiar to us. It's just the channels and the mechanisms that we use that are changing. So yeah. I think get the basics right, make sure you've got a good grounding in marketing and advertising, and then start to identify, well, what are the areas that you want to go into? I always see, because uh, I've been doing this a long time, I always see lots of people coming in and chasing after the latest shiny thing. Whatever's new, let's jump on the back of that. And I think that you know it's great to do that. However, unless you've got the basic principles in place and the, the foundation of knowledge, you will struggle quite quickly uh, to, to, to really kind of add value to whether you're working for a brand or an agency because you need that holistic view of, uh, of what marketing can do. And, uh, and being able to have that foundation in place is really, really important. In terms of the things that, that, that I do, that we do here at TURN, it's, it's very much around uh, nurturing and developing talent. Um, we're very keen on uh, people coming up with ideas and allowing them the, the opportunity to, to grow those ideas. Uh, we, we, we want people to not be scared of coming up with an idea. So we, we actually encourage people to try things and we encourage people, in, even if they've tried something and it doesn't work, they fail. That's great. We've taken some learnings from that. So we, whether that's on a very personal development basis or whether that's how we're developing our technology, it's, it's very much about test and learn, test and learn, grow and develop. And what would you say have been some of the biggest challenges that you faced when you've been certainly growing into EMEA? I mean, you mentioned there that it's very different from the from the US. Has that meant that you've had to almost re-engineer um, your core product as you've gone into different territories? Could you sort of share with us some of the challenges you faced? So first and foremost, we're, we're very fortunate at Turn to have a, an engineering team that have a very international perspective. So our technology is being developed for uh, for the globe, so that's that's really positive. However, there are those those challenges, and you know, classically in a data-driven technology company like we are, there's there's challenges around data, data privacy, data protection. Uh, there's perceptions around what data privacy is and things like that uh, across across Europe in particular. So you've got certain uh, certain countries such as Germany where they're very very uh, protective about data and where data sits and and those types of things. So bringing those things to life. Uh, uh, are important uh, you know, within our business, but also in helping educate those markets around the benefits of cloud-based solutions, the benefits that, that, that can drive their business forward by, by looking at technologies such as ours. So those, those are quite interesting. Also, the development of programmatic, the development of data-driven marketing is at very different stages across different geographies. Uh, in the UK, you'll see something like 60-odd percent of, uh, of display, digital display advertising is bought programmatically today. Uh, you'll see in, in the Netherlands, proportionally uh, uh, has the highest percentage of programmatically bought video of anywhere in Europe. And then you've got other countries that are, are far further behind. So balancing our go-to-market, uh, our education, our evangelization around the topic uh, based on the market needs is always, always a challenge. Uh, and making sure that we're, we're, we're working in the right way that takes into account the right local dynamics. What would you say have been the main changes that you've seen in the last few years that have either been something that Turn has benefited from or have been a challenge to you as, you, as you've grown? I think today is the slowest day of technology development that I will see in the rest of my life. It will be faster tomorrow and faster on Sunday and faster on Monday. And that's just the way that uh, technology is driving us forward. But there have been some pivot points from my perspective. In the wider marketing and advertising landscape, I think 
the, the, the explosion and growth and ubiquity of mobile uh, and internet access by mobile devices has been, has been phenomenal. Uh, I just look back at my history of all the mobile phones that I've had and even prior to mobile phones, what I was doing. Uh, and I see today, I, I, I've got a piece of technology in my hand that uh, has got a huge amount of com computational power. Uh, and a, a real life story that today I got to my train station and realized that I'd left my mobile phone at home. I then left the train station, went home. It's a 15 minute round trip to go home just to collect my phone. And I was doing that not because I was expecting to receive lots of phone calls on my, on my mobile today, but it's because that is my life. My life pivots around my mobile device. So I think that's really important. And why is that important? Well, that is important because it shows the way that consumers are changing. And ad tech companies, as brands, as agencies, we all have to change uh, uh, and make sure we're focused on what the consumer is doing today and more importantly, what they're going to be doing tomorrow. So for, for me, I see the, the change in that customer journey has been quite dramatic. In the past, we'd see very simply that you know, uh, a buying journey was quite straightforward. For, uh, quite straightforward. We, we often use the funnel as a representation of that through awareness, brand consideration, purchase, and then you know, customer renewal. Today, that is all different. So mm -hmm. consumers are touching our brands, you know, across multiple devices, uh, across multiple channels, in multiple media types, many, many times a day. So understanding that is uh, is really critical. And you know, the you know, for brands and agencies, having having technology partner that truly understands that omni-channel approach, I think is uh, is critical. And how would you say that turn? make sure they do understand both that on the channel approach, but also what's coming next. I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to be able to react to things that have already happened, but a lot of the changes driven by consumers, their adoption of technology, et cetera, they're things which are, which are sort of happening in real time. How do you stay abreast of that? Yeah. Again, a really interesting point and, and something that I think every company challenges, uh, has challenges with. So uh, the way that we do it is we really keep a very close eye both on our customers, so brands and agencies, uh, but also the consumer. Everything is led by the consumer now, so we're very close to what the consumers are doing. We see something in, uh, in excess of three and a half million uh, queries uh, through our platform every single second. That gives us a real insight and a wealth of data that means that we can spot trends very, very quickly. Uh, and those trends may be around what devices they're accessing, what context they're accessing, what information they're looking for, all of those types of things. So it means that we sit on this huge amount of uh, anonymized data that means that we can really plot and understand trends that are coming forward. We've also got a, a phenomenal engineering team um, with you know, an amazing future looking scope to what their role is. It's about understanding, well, what are the new technologies coming through? What will um, the Internet of Things mean to the way that brands engage with their customers and prospects in the next five years? What's, uh, you know, what, what, what's happening around the way that consumers are consuming information? Uh, the rise of ad blocking, what does that really mean? So all of these things uh, you know, are, are embedded in what we're trying to do. So, and I think it's really important to you know, part of our role is is not only to help our customers uh, understand where their customers are today, but also help them stay one step ahead of that. 
Thanks, Richard. That's been great to hear how TERN are keeping up to date with what's happening in technology and consumer adoption. Um, now, can we sort of maybe look a little bit forward and say, what do you think are the major challenges which are facing marketers who are trying to use online advertising today? And what is TERN going to be doing to help marketers? So I think there are a number of really key challenges that are facing marketers. Uh, the first one for me is around relevancy. And what do, what do I mean by that? I mean, it's about being relevant to the people that they're trying to, to, to engage with. Uh, so, you know, in an advertising perspective, that is about serving the right message to the right person at the right time in the right context. That's absolutely critical. As an industry, I, I'll be honest, I don't think we've done a great job at, uh, at doing that. Hence, you know, one of the reasons for the rise of ad blocking, no. uh, which again is a significant challenge, has been because we've been bombarding and pushing irrelevant adver adverts and information to uh, to consume to consumers and by doing that we're actually turning our core audience off uh, as an industry so we need to make sure that we we put relevancy at the heart of what we're trying to do and what the what brands are trying to do uh, the way that we do that is that we uh, as i said we collect a huge amount of uh, data uh, and we've got something that underpins all of our interactions and our clients interactions with uh, with, through advertising, and that's the turn ID. Uh, and the turn ID is a unique identifier that means that we truly understand uh, individuals and we're able to uh, match that with second and third party data that means that uh, we're able to really target the right person with the right message at the right time. And it's having that precision of information, that precision of targeting that I think is really, really important. The second key challenge I feel is around transparency uh, and transparency uh, has, is kind of multi-layered. One layer is that for brands to understand where their ads are showing um, and this includes big questions around fraud and we can talk about that in a little bit more detail. Mm -hmm. But it's also about transparency about well how effective is their advertising. You know, I need to know where it is, is it in a brand safe environment and, and what am I paying for that and uh, you know, how am I and what are, the, what are the impacts of that. So I think those, that again is another real issue that's facing marketers today. And sort of getting the feedback in order to be able to optimise each of those ads as well. Very much so. And, you know, this is that real-time loop and, uh, you know, something that you know, Turn is very proud of is that we have a data management platform and a demand-side platform that are built on the same technology that means that there is real-time and real, real-time, not no latency in data exchange on that. There's no, uh, no issues about data loss in transferring information between them. And I think the key thing there is around, it's, it's around transparency as well. We, uh, in terms of that, that ongoing optimization, we, we've got a client uh, who recently said to us they, uh, they're, they're testing our platform against another platform and they, and they, they, they say, turn, you're the machine, uh, the other platform um, is, is the man. Uh, and i.e. the man just takes a long time to do it and, the, uh, and they're having to do it very manually, whereas we've got these very, very sophisticated algorithms that mean that a uh, very automated way, very ongoing learning way, machine learning way means that the campaigns are, uh, in, uh, the campaigns are performing more and more effectively. It's kind of that self-learn uh, approach. Fascinating. Um, so I, I sort of interrupted then a little bit when you were talking about transparency. Was there another, was there a third um, one you'd mentioned relevancy and then transparency? The uh, other one is uh, the, ch the key challenge is, is just being 
uh, understanding where their customers are and what their customers want from them. So it's 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 about that change of mindset of thinking that a uh, that, that a customer traditionally has done one thing where today they're doing something different as well. So uh, I think that's really important. I suppose that also um, benefits from having that data as well, because in the, the old days, as it were, so like a you know a decade or two decades ago, if you were a marketer trying to understand your consumer, you would have to do some research. You'd have your qual and your quants and you know you'd, that would be how you'd um, get the information. Whereas now we have this huge data pool that you mentioned you have as well with these vast numbers. And if you can extrapolate from that, you can actually start to see not just um, the basics, as it were, that we would have seen a decade ago, but also some really deep behavioral insights and psychometric insights as well. And presumably that's what you're using your machine learning to help you um, sort of ex- extrapolate and interpret that data. Very much so. All of that is is, is fed into the machine learning and, and, and and the algorithms develop accordingly. But in addition to that, we, we, we actually have a very sophisticated analytics package called DataMine that sits alongside our platform, which allows, um, allows businesses not only to use that for campaign optimization and things like that, but actually to really extract insights around you know, who their customers truly are who the biggest value customers truly are, and then go and find those, uh, those opportunities. As, as a very brief example, and a very basic example, uh, we did some work with uh, a large auto brand where they, um, they wanted to better understand the people that were buying their saloon cars. So they had a certain amount of information of, uh, of the people that bought their cars, but they wanted to enrich that. So, through our through our platform, they you know we overlaid some third party data. We then did a lot of analysis through data mine, and we really started to understand that you know some of the characteristics of the individuals that would be high uh, high prospects or high value prospects for them. And really interestingly, one one nugget of information that came out, a lot of fairly obvious stuff came out, but one nugget came out that the people, the highest value customers for this particular brand of car, uh, were three times more likely to be Android users than iPhone users. Mm. And you think, that's kind of interesting. And then you realize that their advertising had been talking explicitly about iPhone compatibility. And so very quickly, they changed their ad creative, and they noticed a real return, uh, an immediate return, because they were able to target it more to do to Android users than iPhone users. So again, a very simple example of how data can inform creativity and can actually impact the business. That's a great example. How do you think the data now is flowing within agencies or different agencies to the creative department? You often hear talk about um, creatives still being a little bit in the silo. And I, you know, I've heard a lot of agencies over the last um, year or so saying now, you know, our, one of our USPs is the fact that we really understand how data works and how the technology works. Is that something that you think is happening yet or is creative still very much siloed? Really interesting point. We, we did some research on this only, uh, which we launched a month ago about, uh, and we've entitled it Mind the Gap, and that's the gap between uh, creative and programmatic or creative and data. Mm. Uh, The research highlighted that 88% of creatives uh, agree that data-driven insights are helpful for creating a more personalized uh, creative and approach. However, we see a real gap in terms of that data flow between brands media buying agencies and also creative agencies. In fact, uh, the creative uh, agencies said that, you know, 35% of them said that 
uh, that the, one of their key challenges was getting data from the brand to better inform that decision, that creative process. So I think there's a real gap there. There's really interesting, there was a gap between uh, knowledge and understanding of programmatic and data-driven uh, marketing and advertising between large agencies and small agencies. Small agencies were struggling more with that. And really interesting for me, younger people coming into creative uh, roles were less aware of programmatic, less aware of uh, data-driven marketing, which really surprised me. Um, so the, the you know a slight concern is that we've got a whole new the next tranche of people coming into creative roles don't necessarily understand the true impact and the true value of, uh, of programmatic today. So what can you as turn do to reach out to those creative teams or what can the industry um, do? I know there's certainly training courses like Google Squared, for example, which are designed exactly to change the mindset and to bring in those skills and knowledge. But is there something that, that you're actually doing as well? The research we've just published is part of highlighting this issue. Uh, and sharing that and, uh, and educating the market to make them aware that there is an issue here. Uh, we've also done a number of uh, other activities around this. So, you know, we've done events around creative and programmatic. Uh, we're starting to go into uh, into creative agencies themselves directly to to help educate them and uh, and help them understand what the the power of the data that they can get access to is as well. So, there's a lot going on there, but I think it's incumbent upon the the whole market, and by the market I mean absolutely technology vendors like us, but I also mean the brands themselves. The brands are holding on to quite a lot of this data. Uh, the brands are not necessarily bringing all of the parties around one table. So the best relationships we have is where we're working with the brand, with the agency, uh, whether that's media buying or creative, and ourselves. We call it the three-legged stool. That is where everyone gets the most value out of it. I think brands in many cases like to uh, keep things in silos, so the creative teams over on one side, the media planning and buyers on another, the technology partners on another. Those silos are really interrupting uh, the development and the flow of the value that can be gained from data uh, and programmatic into overall campaigns. And is it something that you think the the brands themselves are wanting to find out more about how the technology works? I mean, obviously the bigger brands out there who are spending multi-million pound um, media budgets, they have a, 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 they will often have internal resources that they can devote to making sure they understand it. I suppose it's more the smaller and medium-sized brands. Do they, do they have the resources and the inclination to understand this technology? What I'm seeing in the market is that brands are waking up to the fact that they should, they need to better understand their data, they need to control that data, and they need to make that data useful and actionable. So we're having uh, lots of interactions with brands, both large and small, around that, that data strategy piece. So uh, lots of brands are contracting directly with us for for. Uh, data management platform because there's a real strategy around that. So I'm seeing that they're very much bringing that in-house. In terms of the programmatic execution piece, you're right. I, I think that we're still away uh, from, still a distance away from brands bringing that all in-house. They're currently uh, working with their agency partners on the media execution part of that, and, and rightly so. Uh, I think that you know, it's really important for, for brands to, to use the expertise there is out there in the market. And oftentimes they, 
it's not core to their business. Uh, so what, why should they bring that in-house? They should be working with, uh, with their agency partners on that. However, linked to that, I think it's really important for brands to hold what I like to call programmatic governance. So that means that they're actually not just handing off things to their agencies and saying, just get on with this, but they are increasing their knowledge and they're directing what their agency partners should be doing and who they should be doing it with. Uh, it's really important to make sure that the brand takes some ownership of the governance of, of their programmatic media. I think that's absolutely right. I mean, you have to understand what's happening in programmatic and how an ad exchange works in order to be able to hold your agency to be to account. But also the point we were discussing before, you will, as a brand owner, only be able to make sure that the creative is using the insights from all of that data and using the latest technology if you understand that whole ecosystem and how it's all interconnected. I'd just like to move on to another key challenge for advertisers at the moment, which is ad blocking. Now, you were at Demexco last week and probably heard the announcement by Adblock Plus talking about the fact that now they're going to be effectively selling adverts to their to their user base. Can I get your opinion on what is the reason why we, we have ad blockers and why they've grown so much? And then secondly, on whether you think this announcement about Adblock Plus selling ads is going to be successful. So I, I think the rise of ad blocking points to a wider issue, and that's the, the, the issue of the relationship of trust between the consumer and the brand. We're always finding that advertisers have the best results when they, they take a customer-centric approach or in using audience-based te- uh, tactics. The challenge has been that basically uh, advertisers have been serving the wrong ads to the wrong people. It's, they, they, it comes back to that relevancy piece that I said before. Um, I think in understanding and using the power of data and audience data will help advertisers better, better reach consumers and better reach consumers who want to engage with their brands. In the long term, publishers will need to come up with solutions along with ad networks and inventory sources, not only to better understand audiences, uh, but to deliver a better customer experience or consumer experience. Uh, in terms of the, uh, the the announcement, I think it's, it's pretty clear from the resulting stories that I've seen after the, uh, the announcement that, that, at, uh, that the ad exchange or whatever you may want to call it um, was, was not necessarily particularly well received. Um, I don't want to presume to speak on behalf of, of a company that may or may not choose to, to, to do business with Ad, Adblock Plus, but it seems that the initial partnership uh, announcements are being revised as they go on. I think it, on, behalf of, um, on behalf of the world's top brands and agencies, you know, we personally as a company work with all of the major premium inventory sources, exchanges, SSPs, the whole ecosystem uh, to continue to do what is uh, what is it, what our advertisers want us to do in their best interest, which is again serve great ads to the right people at the right time. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's good to get your perspective on that. It's it's been an ongoing announcement. I think you know the announcement came out in Mexico, but there have been uh, several follow ups. You know, App Nexus, etc., sort of talking about whether they will or will not um, help with this whole process. 
Just going into data, though, for a moment, um, you, you said something quite interesting then about, um, you know, getting better data will allow you to reach your consumers and engage with them better and, and deliver a, a better overall experience. Could you just maybe expand upon that a little bit? Because one of the trends that I've noticed as I've been talking to um, publishers and, and advertisers is that everybody is very excited about the opportunity of data um, from, from our industry. But actually, one of the biggest challenges is making the consumer feel um, feel comfortable with us having their data. We're sort of, there's a fine line at the moment between that sort of creepy stalker behavior where retargeting ads are kind of following them around and um, getting enough data to, to, to be really relevant, targeted. What do you think is going to um, happen over the next couple of years? Are we going to um, start to have more personalization and, and creep out the consumers or are the consumers going to take back control in some way? I think the whole issue around data and privacy is, is, is really interesting, actually. Uh, for somebody like us, we, we do not hold any uh, personal identification information at all, so no PII data within our platform. But again, from a user perspective, I think they've been slightly scared by the fact that they may have visited a particular website and then for the next month that they're, they're being followed around. I mean, my, my worst case examples are, uh, you know, when I book my summer holiday, I book it online, I do everything online, I book with a particular uh, holiday company and the very next day they're still remarketing to me and telling me to buy something from them and I've already bought it I mean that, yeah. that's just really bad customer experience so I think that the, the, the next step is for, for those brands to use the data in a very linked up very synced up way that means that actually they know that I bought that product and that uh, they now they now are not trying to resell me another villa in Tuscany or somewhere they're now trying to uh, uh, help me better plan my journey and, and, and add value to what uh, what they're trying to offer me. So I think there's a real issue around uh, around that. I think data data quality is a is always top of mind for people. Uh, and what we do with our partnerships, uh, we've got a very large ecosystem of data partners uh, in our platform. Is that we're very very strict in terms of the quality of the data that's put into that. Uh, we also, I talked about our turn ID, um, that is kept very, very fresh. So users in that are, are you know, we've got a, uh, a very small window of opportunity. They need to be online and need to be uh, actively doing something to, to remain fresh. But I suppose the wider issue is, the, is the, 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 the concept of value exchange. So if I'm an individual, what information am I willing to give to a brand? Uh, and what do I want in return? And for me personally, it's about if I'm, I will allow a brand that I want to engage with to have more information about me if they're offering me something in return. And that mm. something in return doesn't necessarily need to be a discount code or an offer. Um, it may well be just the quality of the ads they're serving me is better. It may well be uh, that they're providing me with unique content that I couldn't see unless they had particular information on me. So the, those are the things. So I think that we're going to see a movement uh, and a, a, an awakening of awareness around the value of an individual's data by the individual. Uh, and there will start to be increasing pressures on the value exchange for that. And I will personally demand more from a brand that has more information about me uh, for me to, to, to kind of share more information with them. I would say on that point, though, there's, there's a number of 
number of really interesting startups, a number of really interesting companies that are looking into this and, and trying to help individuals monetize, uh, monetize their data. Um, we're in very, very early days of that at the moment. Uh, the average person in the street that I speak to is not thinking about that. Uh, that what they're thinking about is stop spamming me with irrelevant messages. So I think the first step for all brands is better use the data better to give a far more engaging uh, experience for your your customers and your prospects. Interesting to hear you mention those companies which are looking to monetize the consumer data. Could you maybe give us a couple of examples of, of companies you've heard or ways in which they're, they're using rewards or vouchers or, or even cash to incentivize people? It's very, very, it's a very nascent market. And I think that the first part of anyone looking at this as a market is, well, how do I, as a separate, as a third party company, how do I build trust with a consumer that I should be the gatekeeper to their information? So there's another hurdle there for uh, for, uh, for, for brands, uh, for, for companies in this space, but also for consumers to, to overcome. So I think you know, the, the, the idea is that uh, a, a third-party company looks after my uh, data and then is able to kind of monetize that with brands uh, around the world. Uh, I think there's a, there's a big leap of faith. In my, my opinion, I'm speaking very much from my perspective, there's a big leap of faith that I'm giving that data control to a, a third-party uh, today because... I don't. I've got, I've got no relationship with that third party. Why? What? What will guarantee that they're not going to then sell my data to the highest bidder, uh, to brands that I don't necessarily want want that to be sold to? You also mentioned there the possibility of having better ads. Something I've also heard over the last couple of uh, weeks is having fewer ads. So uh, almost saying that we could have a lot fewer ads, which would improve the user experience on the web, have better more relevant, high quality ads, but the result would be that maybe we'd have to then, as well, publishers would then have to charge maybe a higher premium for that. Do you think advertisers would be willing to pay a higher premium in order to have consumers who are more engaged with the ads um, and a higher intention of, of purchasing? We need to look at what brands are looking for in terms of measuring their campaigns. Uh, and, and my years of experience have proven to me that not everyone wants the same KPI from their campaigns. Uh, what I am seeing is that brands are are looking for almost a cocktail of KPIs to drive uh, the value and what they what they see is the return on investment from those campaigns. So in the past, it might simply have been a reach metric or a CPC metric or a, um, a, a cost per view or click through rate, any of those. Now I'm seeing a whole combination of those. And, and why is that relevant to the number of ads that that, that appear on a page? I think. We should stop. We're, we're at a stage in the industry where we should stop thinking about the number of ads on the page and start thinking about the individual. So it's about the individual receiving something that's highly relevant. So if you're building your campaign that's based on data, based on insight, that means that you really know that Richard Robinson is in the market at the moment to buy a family estate car and you can serve something that is engaging at the right moment in the right context then that is really, really important. That is the differentiator. I think the, 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 the early days of online advertising that I, I remember far too well of pop-ups and, mm. and crazy, you know, very basic rich media things climbing up and down the page. I thought you were going to say crazy frog for a minute then, but I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> Quite possibly. And, and, you know, and, and people bursting out of the page and stuff like that. 
consumers don't want that anymore. They, they, want, um, they don't want to be interrupted. And if they are interrupted, it needs to be relevant. It needs to be contextual. The only way to do that is to do it on a individual basis. And that's this whole personalization thing that is, that is the key driver for me. If I, uh, you know, if I put my marketing hat on and I'm marketing for turn and I want to engage with my customers, it's around personalization. That is the key thing for me. You, you did mention there the example of, you know, you being in the market potentially for an estate. And then if there was an advertiser who was able to identify that, then they would be very interested in, in speaking to you. Is that the sort of insight that marketers could get from your sort of platform? And just going back to a question I said put earlier on, do you think that is something which the advertisers would pay more for? Is there a premium for that sort of intentional data? I think there is absolutely a premium uh, for intentional data. Uh, I think that um, it, in our platform, for example, you can uh, you know you can bring your first party data and you can bring your second and third party data, overlay that and really enrich things so that you suddenly understand that you know I'm not only Richard Robinson. Uh, that, uh, uh, but I live in a particular area. I am of a particular earning type. Uh, with some of our data partners, you can understand, you know, what car I drive, what cars I have a propensity to purchase. You know, all of those types of things, and that really, really brings that data to life. And then you add to that, you know, information about where that uh, where that uh, individual, um, obviously with the, pri- uh, the PII taken out, but where that where that person is. Uh, online and what they're doing and you bring that propensity data together then that's really interesting and you know if I was if I was a, a you know a marketeer working for a big auto brand and I knew that I could target people of a certain age group pretty standard of a certain wage income again reasonably standard living in a particular area that have particular interests that mean that they would want an estate car, but not only an estate car, they would want a four by four wheel drive estate car, and they are currently in that purchase phase. That is incredibly valuable information. And I suppose also what your system is doing is looking at existing users who have gone through that path, um, had these these bits of data here and then went on to buy this type of car and then built using your algorithms to build a lookalike that would allow other um, advertisers to come in and say right I understand this other audience has those same data points so it's likely that they will then have a high propensity to buy this type of car as well yeah absolutely that that lookalike modeling is is really interesting so you know to give to give an example another example we work very closely with uh, Evan cycles and Evan cycles uh, really were trying to understand who they're true customers were and through the data and the analysis that uh, that they were able to uh, pull out from our platform they 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 segmented their their audience into into three or four key segments and that means that they're able to then to target those individuals uh, the uh, with the relevant messages because what you what you want to sell to a Sunday cyclist like myself is going to be very different to what you want to sell to me 10 years ago when I was buying my first bike for my children. So, you know, that's really important to understand. But then building that look-alike modeling uh, to understand, well, who else looks like this? And where are they? And how can I engage those people with the right creative? Then that's very, very compelling and a, and a great way of prospecting for new uh, new audiences. 
And just within the example you gave there, you sort of mentioned the different use cases which one individual might have. Do you also find that one of the challenges is being able to identify that same user at different points in their buying lifecycle, but also across device and across uh, across channel as well? The concept of understanding that full customer decision journey is far more complex as we've discussed around, you know, the use of mobile and different channels and desktop and different uh, different formats of communicating with them, whether that be through in-store or uh, online or through email or, or, or any, anything like that, it's, it's incredibly complicated. Um, again, the, the, the power of our platform is that we have this unique identifier uh, and we're able to match that identifier with lots of other uh, data partners, uh, whether second or third party. As I said, we, we, we have three, three and a half million opportunities to bid on ads per second. So we're there and we know we, we're able to really kind of track uh, usage based at this ID level, which is which is phenomenal. And then the, the whole kind of cross-platform thing in terms of cross-device, in terms of, you know, well, what about if somebody starts a journey on a mobile and finishes on a desktop or, or bounces back and forward? So, yeah, we, we within our platform, we've, uh, we work with uh, some of the, the, the best partners in the world uh, to enable uh, that there is this kind of cross-device mapping and this cross-device graph so that we can really understand that Richard's appeared on this website, they've read this email, uh, they've watched this video and they've done you know, the last thing via their mobile device and then other things on the desktop. So we can really track that consumer journey. Could you just explain simply how the turn ID works? How are you able to identify the same person in those different data sets? Uh, it's through matching, uh, cookie-based matching across uh, our partners as well. So uh, we, we, whenever we see somebody, we've got a, uh, there's a cookie-based uh, matching approach. So we, we have a cookie on their browser. We understand, you know, information about that. Every time we see them, that is updated. So it, it increases the information that we've got there. And because of the, the, the scale and scope of our platform, it means that we're very, it's very easy to match that with third-party data. Uh, whether that be for mobile or for desktop or for just other data. So it's, a, it's, a, it's that, that approach that we use. I see. Got it. And just to sort of wrap things up a little bit now, what would you say is your prediction for the next couple of years? What is going to be one of the disruptive forces which is going to drive forward programmatic and advertising technology? I think the thing that really fascinates me is about how the consumer is changing and how technology and brands can keep up with the consumer. So we talk a lot about I've, talk, I've spoken a lot today about mobile and the importance of mobile. Well, what's coming next? You know, the internet of things. How are people going to uh, engage with brands through multiple different devices in multiple different ways? So I think that's really, really fascinating. Uh, and I think that's something that certainly we're working on and I'm sure other people in the market are, are working on as well. So how, how you actually are able to track people and engage with people and collect data on those individuals uh, across those multiple device types. I think that's really important. I think the other, uh, another key thing is going to be around uh, the, the basis of data. I know we're talking a lot about data today, but once the, uh, you know, particularly in Europe, the GDPR uh, comes in, uh, an understanding about, well, what is, what is data that you can use? What is data that you can't use? So I think that's a key thing that's going to move forward as well. And I think that uh, just the, the concept of uh, you know, brands taking more control, uh, education 
an understanding of how data-driven marketing is, uh, is changing the way that we can work. Uh, it, it is still going to continue at a pace at the moment. I, I see this, this is a journey along a continuum and you've got a, a number of brands on the far right-hand side that are leading edge, that are doing this really well and truly understand it, but they're few and far between. So I see that lots of companies are kind of starting that journey. And the critical thing for those companies is don't try and leapfrog and become uh, and chase, as I said before, the latest shiny thing get in place proper data strategy, get in place a proper data management platform, uh, really understand your users and your customers and try and try and engage them in the way that they want to be engaged with. If you had some advice for somebody now who's been listening to this podcast, has found it fascinating as I have to talk to you and hear about everything that's coming and all the developments which are happening, what would you say to them? Where can they go to find out more? What should they be subscribing to? What events should they be going to to be able to make sure they know what's happening? I think what's really important is is placing programmatic into the wider context of marketing. So they need to be looking at events that programmatic or data-driven marketing might be a theme, but it's not done in isolation. Um, So I think that that's really important. There's uh, many places to find uh, uh, good information around uh, around uh, programmatic and data-driven marketing uh, online. Publications like yourself are very good. Thank you. Uh, slide plug there, uh, but you know, you know, you just need to go on, and there's there's a, there's a whole host of um, uh, of publications that are doing this, and and of course, uh, there's always our website. We uh, produce a huge amount of content that's focused around education rather than around pitching a particular product or a solution. So uh, visit turn.com as well. That's great. I'm sure a lot of people will be heading there to sign up for your newsletter and following you on Twitter as well to make sure they're able to, to find out what's coming next. So my last question then is, what's next for Turn? What developments are you really excited about that you can share with our audience today? The key thing that excites me and excites us is about that true understanding of the customer decision journey and how that's changing uh, over time. Um, I think... Our aim as a business is to help marketers get to the truth of marketing. We can go back 50, 60, 70 years to Wanamaker saying that I know that 50% of my advertising budget is wasted. I just don't know which 50%. We're still very much in that stage today. What we're really excited about is actually bringing that, that truth and that transparency to marketers to really help them understand how to engage with the right person at the right time. And I think that is... that. It, that, that is key for us. And, and if we've got a vision like that, it means that we're, we're picking up and developing our technology uh, as, as it needs to develop based on what the next thing that's coming up. We're not focused on thinking, oh, we have to be developing for Internet of Things or we have to be developing for, uh, I don't know, mobile or, or video, whatever else it is. Uh, what we're doing is thinking about, well, where is the customer going? Let's have a real focus on that. Let's think about where the uh, where the brands and the agencies that we work with, what they're trying to get out of this and how we can enable them to build their businesses. Richard, thank you so much. That's been absolutely fascinating to hear all about Turn and the plans that you have for the next coming years, but also the way in which you really focused your strategy around being consumer centric and engaging with the industry to share all of those insights and try to educate um, marketers and advertisers alike on, on the best way to get the most out of data in order to be able to produce really effective marketing. So thank you very much for joining us today on the Click-Z Digital Marketing Podcast. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Click-Z, the original digital business intelligence company founded in 1997 
provides best practice advice, trends and insight from leading analysts and practitioners to a global community of more than 100,000 digital marketing and e-commerce professionals. We'll be talking to more of our experts over the next few weeks. Until then, keep up to date with ClickSee. Thank you for listening and bye for now.